You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OK Sis Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. We're cultural observers. And of curious minds. Get ready for sisterly banter while we chat about fixations, learnings, and personal growth. We promise it'll be a good time. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello, my name is Maddie. I am Scout, and welcome to OKSIS Podcast, where two sisters, IRL, podcast through life's up and downs together. (laughs) Speaking of an up or down, tomorrow is a very big day in the United States of America. That it is, and it snuck up on me real fast. I didn't really realize that it was this week. Um, but I ha- I dropped off my voting ballot, whatever the fuck you call it, last week, and I am prepared for uncertainty. I am prepared for change. I am prepared for potentially the status quo. I am open with a bottle of wine next to me for the anxiety. Right. I was going to say, I think we definitely have a lot of tips we can give in terms of preparing yourself for this day and the outcome because I don't think a lot of us were prepared four years ago for what ensued so this time around although we pray for a better future um, I think we could still prepare ourselves a little better uh, you know Hindsight is twenty twenty. So some of the things that I, I'm going to be doing, um, although it is very important to stay informed and be on on your phone to see like what is what is unfolding, maybe take yourself off of social media, maybe even the next day, um, just to reflect on the results of the election. What do you what do you really feel about what is about to happen in the next four years? How do you want to respond to it? Taking a beat. I mean, what we've learned from so many of the guests on OKSIS, especially Tina Marie Clark, is that you need to sit with any of these types of emotions that are going to be flaring up on Tuesday evening and as well as Wednesday and possibly for the next four years of our lives. So I think just really making a promise to yourself that you will sit with these emotions, perhaps have a journal ready, get get a, in Maddie's uh, realm, get a pencil, get a, a mechanical pencil ready. In and then scout's, in scout's realm, get a fucking pen because pencils are for psychopaths. Yeah, I'm a pencil queen, and um, don't don't you forget it. Mm, mm. So, what are yes. some other things? What are some other things? Um, you know, obviously, wine is a great 
Is it great? No, we shouldn't. I'm joking. Um, No, I was going to say, if you want an alternative, probably some tea, maybe some like some more detoxifying tea, things that are calming, like chamomile and some herbal stuff to put in there. Yeah, just be in your pajamas. Get a nice robe on, cozy up on the couch. If you have a quarantine COVID circle, maybe, you know, join one of them, a friend, do it together, all the good things. But um, it's it's definitely a moment in history. I think this is one of the most important elections we've ever had in this country. And with that, obviously comes a lot of feelings. So um, buckle up, sisters. We will be in the secret Facebook group chatting away. That's OK, sisters. Um, We've been chatting all weekend about pretty much a non-existent Halloween, but Halloween nonetheless. Um, And in other news, other than the election, because I feel like that's probably all you're seeing right now. um, Last thing we'll say is if you haven't voted yet, you got two days. Um, is that Sean Connery passed away this weekend. Sean Connery was the OG James Bond, um, very near and dear to my husband's heart. So we have been watching some Sean Connery movies. Um, And let me tell you, the difference between a movie made in the 50s and 60s and now is so fucking drastic. I can't understand a word they're saying. We had to put subtitles on. And um, plot... Plots are different. Uh, plot creation is different. Uh, we watched Goldfinger, James Bond last night. And I was like, this would never happen in a James Bond movie today. Not at all. Because we have evolved as creators. I mean, I I mean, controversial take. I, I do not enjoy old movies. I know that I should and I should be sophisticated and need to, like, you know, understand the classics to really understand where we are today. But you know what? I'll un- I'll I'll uh, appreciate them for what they are and not watch. Well, them. you know the original James Bond with Sean Connery were highly misogynistic, just highly. Mm. I mean, there's a scene in Goldfinger when they're at the, the like at a pool in Miami or something, and he just literally this girl's giving him a massage, and then she gets up. He's like, "Oh, I have men stuff to do," and he just slaps her on the butt as she walks away. I mean. The amount of sexism that is seeping through those movies. There's not even women characters. You know what I mean? Like when Sean Connery or sorry, when James Bond actually gets to the point where he is with Pussy Galore, Pussy Galore and him literally fight. He basically rapes her until she's like, "Okay, fine. And then they make love. It is just wild. Like it would never fly today. Yeah. As I said, we have evolved not only in uh, cinematic expertise but we have evolved as a society there's still a lot lot to go but um, (laughs) as as long as we have as long as we can look back at those movies and be like oh didn't age well at least we are aware of the uh misogyny and the cultural appropriation yeah yeah it's it's thick it's thick with that um anyways Uh, Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. We're not really doing housekeeping anymore because it's boring as fuck, but we will ask you, sisters, if you love OKSIS and you've been listening for a while and you somehow find solace, entertainment, laugh, wisdom, inspiration from Mads and me, we would so appreciate it if you would text your favorite episode to a friend. All right, sisters, this episode, oh, wow. Do we have the ultimate boss babe for you today? We chatted with the founder of the Mayfair Group, Sam Aberhart. And if you don't know the Mayfair Group, you probably just like don't have Instagram is what I'm trying to get at. And this branding agency, which at first you probably have been exposed to them because of their incredible merch line that they have um, developed around self-love and self-care and mental health, which I mean are all topics we love here. Um, Sam is just such a beautiful soul she is so highly in tune with trends and branding and understanding what companies and consumers want at this time Um, and we get into an incredible conversation about how she built the Mayfair group how she decided to even introduce merch which was like such a interesting um, extension of her brand that most people don't think to do and she just has this incredible foresight about trends and things that are happening on the internet Yeah, and not only that, we discovered that we're pretty much twin flames. Uh, Sam also dropped out of college for mental health purposes. 
also runs a service-based agency. And we also get into kind of the nitty-gritty of an agency, um, what her employees think of her, uh, what to do, or how to find aligned clients and understand that just because they're a client doesn't mean, or a prospective client doesn't mean you need to take them on, but really understanding your core values and the type of people you want to work with. So if anybody here is in a service-based industry where they have clients, she spews out a lot of wisdom on how to navigate that field. I was selfishly asking those questions for myself, which I felt like she completely just mic dropped constantly and constantly. So um, she's amazing. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about whimsy and row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Uh, hi, guys. How are you? Oh, my God. Your hair is so cool. Um, I was just going to say your hair is rad. You look like um, I, the, the first place I saw that trend was Brittany Xavier. Ooh, yeah, Dua Lipa, she's like the hair queen. Mm-hmm. I like 
everything she does, I like literally want to do. Like she did the whole top half blonde, which I thought about doing next, but yeah, you know, COVID and quarantine has made us do some crazy things. I mean, hair is just one of, one of my mediums that I've gone crazy on. Yeah. I mean, why not? Channel that, channel that creativity in some, you know, use your hair as an experiment. My mother-in-law has dyed her whole hair green. Like, like, um, what's it called? What's oh, fuck? Why am I totally Billie Eilish with the green roots? Oh, so my mother-in-law started yes. with the green roots and then it just like, then it was blue and then it was back to green. And it's like so amazing. I'm like, what else would one do in quarantine? Like dye your fucking hair green girl. Why is your mother-in-law like the coolest fucking person ever? That's so she's rad. rad. She's pretty yeah. rad. She's, she's wacky. Awesome. She's a cool one. I love her so much. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Every time I come home, my husband's like, what now? Like, or like what, every time I come home from the hair salon, he's like racing himself. Like what's going to like shave my head. I don't even know. Like <laughs> crazy over here. So he just never knows what to expect. He's like, it keeps oh him on God. his toes. I keep him on his, I, oh yes. Matt, he was no, going to like, why are we turning into the same person? It's actually scaring me. It's, it's scary. We we're starting to say things at the same time a little bit too much. Like every now and then it was fine. And now it's constant. I know. Okay. We, we have so much to talk to you about, Sam. We are so happy that you're here. Thank you so much for doing this. I mean, if anyone has a pulse and has been on Instagram, they know about the Mayfair group. So we're going to get into all of it. But first we have to do current fixations. Scout. Yes. Before I do my current fixation, I want to apologize because your hair looks really rad and mine's a disaster. So (laughs) That's fun. But okay, my current fixation is not the workouts, Mads, because I haven't earned the respect of working out enough from you, but the person, Melissa Wood. She is officially one of my expanders. I have now listened to her. I like binged her on every podcast possible. Um, She has such an amazing story. You know, she lived in upstate New York and she kind of came from a tumultuous childhood as far as the relationship with her parents went. And she moved to New York City and developed an eating disorder as she tried to get into the modeling world. And she just essentially was living a life that was total chaos, that was not in aligned, um, really toxic, you know, negative self-talk. And she really was able to pull herself from this rut and create this incredible empire, which I'm sure you know of Melissa Wood Health. Um, and there's something about her that is so raw and unpolished, like... I was doing one of her meditations and you could hear New York City in the background. Like I was doing one of her workouts and she's like, oh, there's my kid crying, you know. So it makes you feel when you're in. I've downloaded her app when you're consuming her content, whether it's a meditation or a workout. It makes you feel as if you don't need to be this expert or you don't need to be super on, but that you're just with another person trying to do something like whatever that is you're doing it. So I just have so much respect for her as a mother and the way that she's been able to raise her kids and do her business. She's obviously, I don't remember, Noah Tupperberg, I think is her husband's name. He's a big, huge guy and he owns like Tao restaurant and whatever. But um, just the way she's been able to handle her life with such grace and persevere through mental health issues as well as an eating disorder, become a mom, have this incredible brand. She's just, there's something about her that I just admire so much. Her spirit is just like so gentle. I love following her on Instagram. I don't do her workouts, but I really should. But she, like, I'll see her uh, pushing her baby stroller and then like doing squats as she's like pushing her stroller. And I'm like, girl, you are my spirit animal. Like, I just love that. Like, she's just, she's like, you don't need this like intense gym scenario to actually just incorporate movement into your life. I love that philosophy. I need to check her out. That's like my, I feel like that's my thing with the gym is like, I have to be in an environment where I don't feel intimidated because I'm somebody that's so conscious of like, you know, obviously like physically conscious as like a female who's like navigated some mental health stuff myself, but also just like, I've never been like a gym girl and gyms intimidate the shit out of me. And like, so, you know, I feel like this whole thing too, with like quarantine, it's like all of these online workouts and being able to work out in the comfort of your own home and feel like completely yourself and able just to like let loose and do a workout and feel comfortable. Like that is my 
ideal workout in a nutshell. So I totally need to do her workouts too. Cause just the thought of the gym is like so intimidating to me. And I feel like so many people feel that way. Too. Also what's, Absolutely. what's what I love so much about her specific workouts, which I actually, which is why I actually think I'm going to stick with them. I have a history of not sticking with working out scenarios. Um, <laughs> Same, is because girl. they're not intensive. So they're really, really low impact. So I would try to go to a boxing class or a CrossFit class and I'd be so wiped out and tired and my body was just like, what the fuck did you just do? That I'm starting to think that maybe that doesn't need to be the way I work out. I can do much slower, much more purposeful, very small movements. You know, I work up a sweat, but I'm not dying you know yeah and it actually tones and works and it's enough of a workout that I get that health benefits in and the mental health benefits in so that's why I like her so much which I that's why I don't think you're gonna like her mads because you need more intensity yeah (laughs) well but the thing is it's it's for different types of workouts like I like even today I was like so bloated this morning what's new and I was just like you know what I still want to move and then if I were you know if we were not in quarantine and I went to a class like I probably wouldn't have gone to a class because I felt like so insecure and I was just like oh what are people gonna think and maybe I just want to take it a little I'm gonna do my own thing during the class or whatever so this morning I just put on this like yoga stretching whatever just slow as you said purposeful and I I agree Melissa Wood Health is very um approachable okay this is not an ad for Melissa Wood Health but everyone yes please go get her we've been talking about her for the past like I'm sorry I'm just so fascinated I know we are we're so we're fixated hello okay so my current fixation. Wow. So I have been noticing in my city of Los Angeles, where I am currently quarantined, there are a lot of like little local pop-up companies that have started just like little food and beverage businesses or like a candle business out of my garage or like I'm making homemade ice cream. I'm going to get, it is fascinating. And it's kind of just populated all over Instagram. I see it here and you literally order these types of things through Instagram. So I want to highlight one company. It's called Nico's Small Market and they will deliver natural wine. Everyone knows I've been so interested and obsessed with natural wine uh, recently. And the problem was we would always have to drive to these more local shops on the edge skirts of Los Angeles to get the wine, which is fine. But Nico's Small Market, you order the day and they will hand deliver it to you that day in like what? X, like maybe two hours, they'll come to your doorstep. I'm, I don't that is know. insane. Yeah, I don't know what the the business plan here is, but like I'm not <laughs> complaining. And it's free. Oh my god, I didn't even say this. It's free shipping. It's free delivery. Whatever it is, like they what? literally come up to. She wrote me a little handwritten note. It is the most wholesome experience. And like in Los Angeles, where nothing feels personal anymore, it is such an incredible touch. And I just found her through a friend of a friend on Instagram, and now she has this like burgeoning business. She at the Melrose uh, Farmers Market every. Sunday with her little natural wine. Oh, cool. And it's just, it's great. I love these little quarantine, like, side hustles that yep. actually turn into these amazing businesses. No, totally. I, I was, like, in L.A. a couple weeks ago, and I love the fact that, like, and we've been so conscious about going out, but how every restaurant is doing, like, the parking lot setup mm-hmm. or, like, the street setup where all the tables are spread out. And I'm like, I don't even pre-COVID want to sit, like, cramped yeah. next to eating outside like and I just love that like it felt so European because that's how like European culture is like you walk around you eat outside you know and I just was like can we just continue this like forever like I love that all the roads are like shut down and everyone's just got like their whole parking lot set up and you can like curbside to go you can sit outside you can have a glass of wine to go like it's just so European in a weird way true I I just it it just feels I'm totally about it it feels more local. Like I think everyone's kind of just like come back down to earth. We're like, Oh yeah. 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 Right. We're all human. And like, let's just kind of figure this out on our our own. I've been feeling that a lot around LA. It feels smaller in a way. There's this really cute restaurant right by my house and they went out onto the sidewalk because they were an indoor only Mm -hmm. restaurant and they built this gorgeous gazebo with flowers all over the gazebo. And it became, it's technically in the street, but they created this beautiful, like, secret garden vibe and it's so 
cute and it's like people are spread out yeah. it's still very covid safe and covid you know friendly but there is such a new vibe to it yeah i mean i it's so cool how just like restaurants entrepreneurs everyone's had to like think on their feet you know it's such a rad time for like that type of thinking where it's like the whole restaurant business has had to completely shift their entire model and yeah, I mean, I'm all about supporting local businesses, especially ones that like, you know, are near and dear and close to your heart. But yeah, I'm the same way. I feel like it's the same thing in Arizona. Like so many places have completely changed their menus. They've changed their structure. They have like outdoor dining. They've got curbside deals where you can get like bottles of wine with your meals. And like, it's just different, but I'm, I'm totally down for it. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah, hear you. So, okay. What is your current fixation, Sam? Okay. So my fixation, you guys, is a thought. And I don't know if I'm allowed yes, to do that. Yes, you but... do anything. Okay. So I lately have been, you know, reading. I've been, I'm obsessed with just like self-help and reading and just Forbes, podcasts, everything, you name it. I'm like a total nerd. And I was reading this article the other day and something just resonated with me so heavy. And so I've like made it a priority for myself. But basically this female CEO was just talking about how instead of spending money, if she could go back and, and, you know, go back in time to her younger self, instead of spending money on materialistic things, she would spend her money on self-progressive things that add value to your life. Um, whether that be experiences, whether that be like mentorship courses, education, like things that are just good for your own personal growth. And I don't know what it was about quarantine, but I got into this period where I was like shopping online all the time and just spending way too much money to be honest and i read that article and i was like you know what i'm gonna stop spending money on materialistic things and i'm gonna start spending or splurging saving money and then splurging when i splurge on things that add value to my life and so i signed up for some entrepreneur courses with like mentors that cost you know a good chunk of money and i just like saved up for them and spent on them and i had those sessions and it was like just such an incredible experience. And I was like, these are the things that I want to start spending money on. Like it could be something that's going to help like your physical and mental health, you know, whether that be therapy, whether that be a trainer, whether that be, you know, whatever, but instead of like spending money on like clothes and cars and like things that are kind of like materialistic, it's the thought of spending money on things that are going to add value to your life. That's my current. Oh my God. Fixation. I love that so much because I have come to the exact same realization this year because I hired an intuitive mindset coach to help me really mm. dig deep into certain areas of my life. And, you know, it's a price tag. It's a six month commitment and it's a fucking price tag. And I was so scared to spend it. And then I realized when I kind of calculated it all up, I was like, how much have I spent on clothes in the last whatever years? And then when you really think about it, there's this point where you know, if you have the means, like you'll buy the Chanel purse, but you'll think twice about spending that much money on yourself, like for, to, to really push your soul forward. Right. It's crazy how we won't it's do crazy. it. And she was talking about that in the article. She's like, there's a reason these things cost money. Like they're so valuable. Like that mindset coach, your therapist, like there's reasons that there's a price tag affiliated with that. Like they will add so much value to your life. And exactly if you equate it out in comparison to like, how much you're splurging on dining out or how much you're splurging on clothes and things like that. It really isn't that much of a difference or maybe it compensates completely. But for me, I'm just like, I'm going to start splurging on things that add value to my life and finally like pull the trigger on things that I've been waiting on um, and spend less on materialistic things. Cause the, there's the also the this like yeah. energetic exchange that you make. So I, I'm trying to write a book. And so I hired a woman to help me write my book proposal. That's what she does. That's investing in myself and in my project. And every, you know, I was talking to other people and they're like, well, ask her if you can put half down and then pay later because, you know, it was a lot of money. And I was like, you know what, if I pay her half and then pay her half in four weeks, one, I have the money today. And two, that's telling the universe that I don't believe in myself or her and respect her enough to put it fucking down because I'm serious. And so I was like, scratch that plan, invoice me right now and I will pay you immediately because if you show up in that way, you know, you get it back tenfold. This is this is really illuminating because there has been I have wanted to enroll in this one website design class. It is a class that teaches you how to code your own website and it's but it's 
for creatives. It's called Super High. And I've I've gotten targeted ads <gasps> for it left and right, which is just like so perfect for me because something is good. The Instagram algorithm just knows me way too well. It's like a little scary. <laughs> but I keep getting targeted ads. I've looked them up. I've literally like like been in the checkout and I and it's like five hundred dollars. It's and for some reason just putting that amount but then like I literally just spent $300 at Aritzia and then it's like uh, you it's, know I'm telling you it's so funny like if you think about it I'm the same way like I'm I'm going on a trip actually like tomorrow I leave and I'm going on a little getaway and I the amount of money I spent like just on things that I didn't really need for the trip and then I'm the same way like I've been wanting to take these entrepreneur courses and it's the same thing they're 500 but it's like direct mentorship with like people that have scaled massive businesses and I like sit there and like go back and forth over like weeks on like whether I should splurge and I'm like what am I doing you know like I just it's so weird when you think about it and you equate it out to things that you actually spend on with like no thought process whatsoever and just like pull triggers on but yeah I've decided I'm like I'm making this a priority I'm only gonna spend money on like things that are gonna add value to my life and of course I'll have like a splurge every now and again where I just like need a minute to like buy something but for the most part, I'm dedicating like my disposable income to like self-progressive things essentially. So wow. that just like fueled my, my soul. Wow. That is, that is a thought. That is an incredible <laughs> yeah. thought. Yes. We love it. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about Mayfair group. We are, I mean, I, as I mentioned, the way you have kind of infiltrated the Instagram space and the social space is impressive and remarkable and I want to get into all the different kind of touch points of your brand itself because I don't think I think people might know you most from the merch you make and this like incredible um apparel line that you've developed but you guys are a service brand you're a social media PR all-inclusive service brand so talk to us a little bit about what Mayfair Group does at its core yeah yeah. So essentially, you know, I, I wanted to create a company that was multifaceted and, um, really had just multiple streams of revenue. And I think, you know, if COVID and the pandemic has taught us really all anything in life, it's just to have multiple streams of revenue, like diversify your risk. Like a lot of the businesses that I see that are suffering are one dimensional businesses. And that's the whole reason what Mayfair's concept was in the first place was like, I never wanted to be kind of pigeonholed into one area. Um, and so Mayfair was really started as a service-based company, but had a whole lifestyle behind it and a component that we wanted to really grow and evolve into like so many different things. And for me, it was always just kind of interesting because I was like, you know what? I want to have a service-based company that like we show brands what we're going to do for them by doing it ourselves. Like what is better than like sending people a PDF of our services, but being like, yep, but also we've grown our own brand. Like this is essentially what you're paying for, what we can do for you. Like, so, you know, there was always that I wanted to revolutionize the way service-based companies are like presented in the industry because I was like, you are your resume essentially. Like, you know, there's so many different companies that like are social media companies, but they don't have like a social media following. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I was just like, I want Mayfair to be the epitome of what we can do as a team and really show brands like kind of the services we can offer. And so, yeah, we have two sides of our business. We have a whole service side that is comprised of like graphic design, public relations, sales, creative content, social we really offer everything. We now are doing merch design and production for so many companies too, which is really rad. New service sector. Uh, you might have a new client. And, yeah, I was going to say, yes. I'm going to need to. We're going to um, hit you up. We're, we're going to yeah. have a separate meeting. We're, yes, we're doing a ton of merch design and development for people, which we already have all the infrastructure for now. So that's a huge new service driver for us. And on the other side of the business, we've created this whole lifestyle, which was really planned from the get-go. Um, I wanted there to be kind of like a, just a, a community of like female empowerment, inspiring content, positivity. And I saw so many like long-term rollouts and evolutions of that. Like it, I wanted it to start with content. And then I was like, you know, down the line, maybe like we'll do products. Maybe we'll do, you know, in real life events. We'll do pop-ups. We'll do panels. Like who knows, write a book is like on my bucket list as well. Like so many things based around this kind of lifestyle that we really wanted to create. And so, I mean, it's, 
scaled so much and it's grown so much. And it's definitely like, I can't even say I've even planned for all of this because it's beyond my wildest dreams to be completely honest with you. But it's just really cool to see, you know, that we, we created this lifestyle and kind of a life, uh, just have an amazing platform that people want to be a part of. And from then there, I think like the opportunities are really limitless because once you have a community that really believes in the content of what we're producing and that we believe in, like there's just so many different routes and directions that we can go and grow from. So what did the company look like in the very beginning? Because I run my own agency, which I'll talk to you about later because we actually talked on the phone once, but I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast. But (laughs) when you start, as one individual offering that many services, you need a lot of hands on deck. Like you need a lot of hands on deck. What were the very early days like? Did you create an initial investment and go out with a bang and create a big team? Did you start solo yourself with one service and then build up? How did you get to the point where you are today? So it started as a multifaceted service-based company, but we just did social media, creative content and sales. Everything else essentially kind of grew after that. And Mayfair was self-funded. Like, I don't think a lot of people do know that, but I self-funded it myself. I did not have money. I feel like so many people are like, you know, you have to have money to start a business and you don't. Like, you can start from the very bottom. You can bootstrap and you can grow year over year. It's going to be a lot slower growth. You're obviously not going to become a $10 million business overnight. But for me, I wanted to like completely own my own business and really grow it from the ground up. So it was me and one other girl who was like essentially my assistant for my last job. And we were just working out of my guest bedroom and we literally did social media, creative content and sales for brands. And my background again was working with fashion brands. So I had a couple, a couple, like two or three clients that were like, if you start this company, we'll sign on and work with you. So it just started with just like three brands, Wildflower Cases being one of my brands that I started with, and they're still our client today, which is really, really cool. Um, And from there, you know, every month, every couple months, it just grew. We would like add a service, we would add a brand, um, and it just started to evolve and pivot. But from the very beginning, we also just put such an emphasis on Mayfair's Instagram. It was always just this like badass, content-driven, innovative platform for like positivity, female empowerment, inspiring content. Because before I started Mayfair, I was actually going through like a really, really bad depression. I've like struggled with mental health my whole life. And I think my previous jobs, whilst I love them, they weren't fulfilling for me. And so, you know, I, like every other Gen Z millennial, what you name it, spent so much time on Instagram and it was constantly just like negative self-comparison content. It was all the same stuff. Everybody like posting, you know, alternate realities of their own life, making it look way more glamorous than it actually was. And for me, I just sat there like looking at all these photos, not being fulfilled, being like, there has to be a place where people can go for like positive content and just like sources of inspiration and just like something on Instagram that's genuinely going to make you smile and resonate with you on a daily basis and push you to like make that career move or like, you know, change your life or like stop surrounding yourself with toxic ass people and like kind of being that big sister on, on Instagram and just like for younger generations. And so that's where the whole Mayfair lifestyle was really built. It was actually like through the pain I was going through and just kind of like knowing that I needed this place and it not existing and then kind of wanting to create it for other people to where like people can be inspired based on like our content, our products and all of that. I I love what you said about, you know, your brand's social media being essentially like your prototype, like your proof of concept for clients to come. I mean, that is the most genius thing. Like if you, if you want to see what we could do, look at who we are and what we've done for ourselves. And I mean, when I scroll through Mayfair, like I, I mean, most people will agree with me. It is, it's like this ultimate cool girl aesthetic. I mean, I feel like I'm back in like my Tumblr ages where it's just these mood boards and all of these eclectic, like just like vibes. I don't know how else to say it. It's just such vibes. So talk to us about the aesthetic itself. Like it is very edgy, but it there's also like a soft girl element to it. Like, is that just coming from, you know, inspiration that you've had or, or how do you connect to that? Cause it, you're, you're very humble and being like, Oh yeah, I just wanted to create this great space on the internet. No, it's like a very, this is a hard thing to nail down. Believe me. I'm like trying to transition into like trendy photos. And I'm like, how do people take 
these photos like it's just so beautiful so she sends me pictures and she's like why doesn't it look like this girl and i'm like i don't fucking know dude like maybe it's the lighting like jc marie yeah like Like, because nobody can look like jc marie but jc marie I'm like I'm Literally. like outside, like with cherries, like trying to like be cute by the pool, and I'm like, <laughs> what is this? Like I don't, I'm just not. So talk to us no. about like that aesthetic. Like how do you how do you get that? Totally. I'm the, also I'm the same way. Like anytime people ask for my, like my Instagram, I'm like, go look at Mayfair. Do not look at my personal Instagram. It's the fucking worst. Like I don't put any effort into it, and I should. And like I know, but it's horrible. So I totally feel you. Um, but. Yeah. I mean, I think for Mayfair, essentially, I mean, you're, you're only as good as your team. And I think something that, you know, I've really, really like grown and kind of put a lot of emphasis behind is having insanely creative individuals on this team and really having the best kind of creative team that we can possibly have. And that stems from like interns all the way to employees. Like when we do our intern applications, like our last round, we got 5,000 applicants for literally like 10 positions. And wow, it's insane. It's insane. I know Devin and I used to personally go through every resume and now we were like, okay, we can't be doing this anymore because it takes weeks and weeks and weeks. But like, we really want to surround and have kind of the most insane, creative energy, collaborative environment. And it's not one person's ideas. It's honestly really a collection of like every single person at the company's ideas. And I think we just, everything that we do, we try to lead with innovation and think outside the box. So it's like, you know, combining that positive messaging, but like, how can we level it up? How can we do it differently? Like we started doing collages. Everyone's doing collages now. Fuck, let's do mood boards, you know, like kind of just like, you know, we started doing horoscopes like that. Obviously we, that was our thing for so long and we still do that. And that was a huge part of our growth strategy a lot of people started doing horoscopes and like, now what can we do with the Zodiac evolution? You know? So there's like so many things and we're constantly trying to like come up with newness and innovation and take the positive messaging, but put it in an innovative way where like nobody's seen it before, whether that's like on an old TV, whether it's a a video, a static post, like just always kind of leading with innovation and making sure like the positive messaging is number one, but then two, we're doing it in a medium or a format where it's a, it's a, a vibe or something that nobody's seen before. Um, so yeah, I mean the grid inspo, a lot of it comes from our social team and essentially, again, we just try to like always change what we're doing. We were doing the color story for a while. And then I was like, Kaylee and I sat down and we're like, we want to do something completely different. So I was like, let's look, let's do decades. Like let's do like two thousands, let's do like 90. So Kaylee, our creative director worked with our social team to create, come up with this entire grid based on decades. And we did 2000s, we did 90s. Then we started doing like the two-tone colors, like ombre. I mean, we've done like kind of everything now. And I feel like it's just, again, always innovating and always thinking ahead of the game, outside the box. What can we do differently? Like just shaking shit up all the time is kind of like what we're always trying to do. And it's it's a lot of work, you know? Like it is a lot of work. There's a full yeah. yeah. I mean, what I mean, even what you just said about even if something is working, it feels like you guys want to shift it and kind of shake it up. I mean, I think knowing when to kind of innovate and 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 shift the type of messaging or or aesthetic. I mean, that's that's brilliant. I do want to ask about you as a leader. So, I mean, I'm assuming you're a young woman and yeah, how old are you Sam yeah can we ask I'm 20 29 I turned 30 actually in two months oh, November oh my god I know yay okay so you're, you're so you're a young woman and Thank you. what <laughs> I love hearing that <laughs> so how are you like as a leader because you know I can imagine that working at Mayfair is probably so fun and rad. I mean, obviously hardworking, but there is this culture, it seems to me, that Mm -hmm. you guys are extremely creative and innovative. So what does it feel like as a leader? Like, do you seem to be friends with a lot of the employees? How do you establish those boundaries? Because I think a lot of women our age are creating companies and we see this new class of entrepreneurs and it feels like a lot of them um, are friends with their employees and that can work to an extent but how do you distinguish between like hey I'm I'm the owner of this company and I'm the boss and then before you talk about that how many employees do you have so we can get kind of a picture of how many you manage 
So currently we have about 20 employees. Um, and then at any given time we have between like 10 and 15 interns. So there's like 35 people within the company now. Um, and we're like in our fourth year. Yes. Everything that you're saying about just kind of being a female entrepreneur, female owner, the boundary thing, I think it's like something again that like as you grow a business like there's no handbook right there's so many podcasts that you can listen to and so many things and i'm the type of person like i'm always learning and wanting to learn and become better at things that you know was never really like maybe a skill set for me in the past management is something that is like so hard to teach and even just like it's something that you can learn but i honestly feel it's like this trait that a lot of people just genuinely have and i'm very lucky again because i really believe in surrounding myself with people who are stronger at a lot of the things that essentially like I wasn't good at or I'm not as, as great at. And so I have an amazing COO who's like an incredible leader. Um, and between the two of us, we kind of like oversee like the entire Mayfair team. And now I think that we're in our fourth year and we're growing and we're scaling immensely. We now this year actually hired a lot of senior roles within the company. And so that has helped immensely because before it would be like entry level and Devin and I like as CEO and COO. And for the longest time, like we just couldn't afford, you know, to have these like senior positions or like department heads essentially that would like manage the girls. And even if you have great boundaries, like all this information is coming to you, you know, like even when I started my business, I remember like when it was just me and kind of like the first, you know, five or six girls, like I would get calls like in New York being like the printer's broken, you know, like how do we fix the printer? And, you know, there's, there's nobody in between. So it was almost just like every piece of information comes to you and it starts to become overwhelming because you're like, I'm trying to obviously work on all the bigger picture things that I have to do, but then all the day-to-day -day information, decision-making and all of that. So I mean, over the course of like the four years with Mayfair, we've definitely had to implement a lot of structure, one, because we have that real entrepreneur spirit. It's a very collaborative, creative office. So over time, as we've started to scale, we now have way more structure than we did, obviously, year one, year two, even. So we're finally now in a place where we have a really, really good structure in place. This year, we've hired a lot of senior level um, positions, and so now they essentially oversee the departments and only things that get escalated to Devin and I get escalated to Devin and I, we still oversee and manage. But ultimately I think as an owner and a CEO, you have to take time to step back and say, you know, I need to delegate and I really need to focus on the big picture things. And a lot of times as an owner, that's a really hard thing to do because your company is your baby. You know, I feel like you're involved in almost everything. And it's so easy to get caught up in like all the day to day in the trenches and the nitty gritty. But as the company starts to scale, you have to time manage really, really well. And you have to kind of start delegating, taking a step back from all of the meetings that essentially you were in, only putting yourself in kind of like the most priority meetings, and then really delegating your time to work on big planning, big picture, big strategy and all of that. This is still something I'm navigating to this day. Devin and I were just talking about it. Um, but yeah, I think that that's a really hard transition going from like being in the business every single day to being like, I need to start focusing my time on all the big picture concepts, all the big picture stuff and really delegate to the rest of the team to handle all the day-to-day -day operations. So that's kind of exactly where I'm at in my business right now, where it's like, I cannot be in that weed anymore. Like right. I started there, I created the the kind of process for that and I need to step back and do the sales calls or do the client calls or do that high level facing things that the owner does. And so it's such a difficult transition because it's giving up a lot. And like, as you said, in the beginning, it's entry level individuals that come in the door, but it is such a fine balance to kind of start removing yourself from the printers broken today yeah, kind right. of situation. Yep. What would, so that's all amazing and and I think it really paints a picture of the kind of escalation of the whole thing mm -hmm. how would your team describe you as a boss if you asked your team and you said I'm not in the room and I'll never hear how would they describe you as a boss uh, I feel like they would just I'm I feel like they would say I'm probably like a doer and kind of like a lead by example type of person um, I am the type of person that works all night. And I feel like, again, as I start to kind of like grow, and again, this is this whole like self-help kind of thing that I'm working on is just like the whole concept of balance. 
because again, transitioning from being involved in, in everything to transitioning out and really focusing your time and prioritizing your time. Um, I think that like, I'm the type of person that's emailing literally all night. And I tell my girls, I'm like, don't ignore me from like 7 PM to midnight because that's like my second work day. And it's really the time where I like sit down and like get to focus on a lot of like the big things that I've been wanting to work on all day that I get like pulled away from. Um, so I feel like they would probably just describe me as kind of like, I'm, I'm definitely like a lead by example. I'm, I'm pretty like in the trenches. And I think like they would probably say she never stops working because that's definitely the epitome of who I am. I'm 24 hours a day thinking about Mayfair and I genuinely love this company and just like love what we do with every single piece of me. So it's like hard to get away from. Um, so they would probably say I like work way too much and I'm like <laughs> just always thinking about the company and like always working and stuff. But yeah, that, that's a really good question. I've never been asked that before. I love it because it makes you like think about you know, the way, because so many times when you have an employee, there's, I mean, at least with me, there's a part of me that wants to be a certain way to them mm -hmm. or to provide them with a certain experience because you want them to enjoy the process as well as much as you want them to like handle shit, right? Yeah. So it's so always interesting to see kind of the other way around. Totally. Yeah. And I think, I think something else, I know that like they, they always say that like, we're, we're really not scared to take risks at Mayfair. And I know personally, like I'm always the person that pulls the trigger on those. So I sure, I'm sure they would say something about that because I think with Mayfair specifically, like we really want to always speak out about things that are uncomfortable. You know, I think we always want to tell the narratives that we feel passionate to tell, whether it's speaking out about BLM politics, LGBTQ, like we're going to say it, you know? And I think that like, I'm definitely a risk taker in that sense. And, you know, obviously it's paid off like thus far, but I think just, I'm always going to stay true to who we are. And I'm always going to speak out about things that matter because that's like genuinely what Mayfair is. We're going to be vocal about things that we feel passionate about and narratives that we want to tell and that we should tell. So I think they would say I probably take a lot of risks and that I'm fearless in that sense, because I definitely am the type of person that's like, we're going to say it. And we're going to do it and we're going to be vocal because it's the right thing to do. And I don't care. Like we're going to use our platform for good, you know? So I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredibly inspirational. And I think being a risk taker is critical for being an entrepreneur, for actually executing. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I learned, especially with this podcast. I was always the type of person who's very, plan oriented need to have everything fleshed out and analyzed whereas scout is kind of a let's jump and the the parachute will arrive and if it comes if it pops up it pops up it doesn't it doesn't yep. so you know talking about risk i mean when did you know that you should introduce this new sector of merch and apparel because that just doesn't seem like something that would be obvious for a service-based brand mm -hmm. to do. And so talk to us about that decision. I mean, it feels so natural now looking at the holistic view of what Mayfair is. Mm -hmm. And it's just such an integral part of your marketing. I mean, just a, a brand recognition and all of that. Mm -hmm. So talk about like that moment where you're like, Let's fucking make dope sweatsuits and have everyone take photos of them on Instagram yeah. and and grow awareness that way. Yeah, totally. I think as an entrepreneur, like you're always looking to do, you know, your expansions essentially of like what the lifestyle is. So we always wanted to do products. We didn't really know like how that was going to happen and when it was going to happen, but it was always kind of like in the back of our minds. And I think something that's so important as a business owner and, and an entrepreneur is like listening to your audience, like really having that two-way dialogue with your community, because that is something that we really have with Mayfair. And I think people feel really connected and they almost, they feel like, you know, they're kind of impacting the decisions that we make a lot of the time. And it's true. Like we, we listen to everyone. We listen to the community, what they're asking for our customers, all of that. And so a lot of times, some of our ideas they've initiated, you know, like they're like, you guys, let's do this product. You guys should be doing this. And it's something that we're like, okay, let's take it to the drawing board. Like, how can we make this happen? Like people are asking for it. So it definitely was a combination of like, it was always kind of like in mind. And then I think we started as our content and community started growing more and more people were like, I want products. Like 
I want your collage on the back of a sweatshirt. I want this, you know, I want like Zodiac stuff. So we started to think about it and we were just, again, thinking long-term on like diversifying our revenue streams, like, okay, we should do this e-com site. We should do product rollouts. And so it started small. And then in March of this year, unbeknownst to everything that was going to happen in the world, we launched a Shopify e-commerce site. We had had a small site before, but we relaunched it. We like, we're like, we're going to do Facebook ads. We're really going to commit to this, invest really heavily. And a lot of this too was spearheaded by Devin, our COO. She was kind of the person that was overseeing this project. And today our Shopify store has grown 4,000% in six months. It's been the most insane growth that I've personally ever seen. It's like it's, it's hard to even comprehend. And a lot of the business has pivoted now because of like the decisions we made to do that. Um, and again, we had no idea about COVID really. This was kind of like all planning at the end of last year launched. And now like, thank God, obviously we did it. And it's just been like such an incredible thing because now I think for us, it was like, okay, one, this is just again, diversifying our risk Two, this is listening to our community. And three, our biggest thing was always just like, how can we take that messaging and make a bigger impact? How can we take it further? How can we do something that's going to like take that positive messaging into a bigger audience? And so the product thing was always like, we can do that. We can literally have products. We can have people walking around with positive messaging on them, influencing other people that they're seeing or meeting or talking to. And so it was like, we can make a bigger impact with products. Like we're only going to do products with positive messaging and big campaigns. And so all three of those combinations, honestly, is what kind of led, led us to do the site and the products. And now I just can't even imagine Mayfair without it. It's like so hard to even think about, you know, kind of the company before that. But now it's like a huge part of our business. So, And what yeah. was the inspiration personally to kind of create, I don't know if mental health is the right word, but maybe mm -hmm. some self-love, self-care these positive mm -hmm. vibes that that actually kind of make someone's day like when you go on your website and you read some of the things they they hit you a little bit you know it's like oh yeah that like it's a, it's a nice reminder why is that so personally important to you I think just because I've always struggled with like mental health issues and depression and anxiety is something that like you know me and members of my family have struggled with it's just something that has always been a part of my life personally and I look for positive messaging. You know, I look for it in conversations. I look for it in my day-to-day -day interactions. I'm always like searching for that positivity, I think, because I've always struggled with mental health. And so it's something when, you know, I see something, it really changes my day. If I have a conversation where it's like a genuine conversation with somebody and, you know, there's like a really good exchange of energy and it's something that's like a really positive thought-provoking conversation, like, shifts your whole mindset, you know, it really shifts your whole mindset. And so for me, like when we talked about Mayfair in the early days, it was like, we want to be that, we want to be that place for people to like go and their mindset changes. Like they see something positive and they're inspired. They see a quote that talks about like, you know, changing your career and pursuing what you want. And that's the sign that they wanted to like take a leap of faith and like go after that career that they've always wanted or like cut toxic people out of their life. And so it's really that honestly, it stemmed from just my own personal struggle and so many people that I knew that were also struggling to find that in social media in brands and, you know, conversations and relationships. And so I kind of just wanted to create a place where like people could go and find that and really everything that we do, you know, our campaigns are getting like bigger and bigger and bigger, but it all leads back to like a bigger message. Every single campaign that we're doing now, we're always sitting there saying, what is the ultimate message? What are we trying to portray? Like, how are we, what's the medium that we're going to do that? And how are we going to do it? And really like nail it home. Um, but it's all about positive messaging and inspiring content and really taking it further to where we can have now a bigger impact with our product and campaigns. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the internet needs you and needs Mayfair. That is for oh, sure. I want, <laughs> I want to talk about the brands that you work with um, because I can imagine just from how much you guys have grown that there is a probably a, a large vetting process that has to go through um, certain brands that reach out and you probably get, you know, tons of inquiries. So what do you look for in a brand when you're um, going to partner with them? What are some attributes or things that you look for? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely has changed obviously over time because I think in the early days you're begging people to work with you. And now it's to the point where, you know, we have to turn down, unfortunately, a lot of the business. I wish a lot of times that we could take on more, but you know, our team only has the capacity to work on so many projects. And I want to make sure like workloads are always manageable. Um, and we're just not like working with too many brands. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a big vetting process now. I think for us, it's, it's a lot of times like smaller brands feel intimidated to reach out. And I'm like, those are the brands we actually like to work with to, to believe it or not. It's, it's the small brands that we genuinely believe in. Honestly, what we look for in a brand is just definitely like the opportunity to scale and really impact, but good people. Like, I, I feel like that's something that like, you know, a lot of people wouldn't say as like a business prerequisite, but that is a hundred percent one of our prerequisites. And just a genuinely something that aligns with us, like morally value wise, like a brand that really speaks to kind of who we are fits in with our identity. You know, like we definitely want brands that fit in with our portfolio. And then also just something that we aren't currently working with or something that we haven't seen that we see a lot of potential with. So, you know, because we work with wildflower cases, for instance, like we would never take on another tech brand in the space that we work with them in because we want all of our strategy to go to the brand that we're currently serving in that space. So yeah, we just look for like different innovative brands. And a lot of the time they're new brands. They're brands that haven't, don't have massive, massive budgets. They're brands that essentially are like, you know, we're very early stages, but we're like, cool, we can come on and we can really like help hopefully impact your journey and really make a difference for you. And like, those are the things that we really look for and just people that we want to work with. I, I can't stress that enough. I feel like we've all worked for so many assholes in our past that with Mayfair, I always said, I'm never going to work with an asshole ever again. I'm only going to work with good fucking people, you know, that's such a, that's such a good value. I have a yeah. question on that. And then I, we can ask our like favorite question ever, Mads. So I work in a client-based business as well. And sometimes mm -hmm. you vibe with them and you're like, they're, this is going to be good. And then you see yeah. how they do business, like halfway through the contract, a little bit through the contract. And you're like, I don't know if this is like exactly what I signed up for. Like I'm very intentional too, you know, like just because you're a service provider does not mean that you need to work with everybody who wants your services. It's your life. Right. It's your space. It's your energy. It's your life's work. You get to decide who walks through that door as well as mm -hmm. they get to decide if you get to walk into theirs. How right. do you, you know, predict or I don't, what's the right word? How do you, how do you know if someone's going to work well with you as a client, if you, if it's some, do, do you know what I'm asking you? Like, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, I'm definitely the same way. Like, I think exactly what you said, kind of your point of, um, you know, like you, I think the biggest thing with companies is like, always stay true to like your identity. Like if you genuinely have a meeting with a brand, even if it's the best payout in the world, but it doesn't align with who you are, turn down the business. I can't even stress that enough because I think a lot of where Mayfair has gone is because we have turned down the wrong opportunities. Like we're never going to like sell out, you know, no matter what the paycheck is, because like we, I am like so adamant on sticking to like who we are and our core values and like aligning ourselves with really dope brands, like even if they're small, tiny brands, but it's definitely hard. I think like you probably know this because you work in the service space, like you know, anyone can like jump on a zoom and obviously tell you like, this is what we're doing and da, 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 da. And like, you know, I think that like, that's the thing is it's definitely a hard thing to vet, but I think for us too, a lot of times we scout out the brands that we want to work with. It's not always just people coming to us. And even now, like there's a couple brands we're actually signing right now, which I can't say right now, but we actively went and seeked them out. And I think that like, just always, you know, going after no matter how big you are, the brands essentially that you want to work and align yourself with. And I think it's a risk at the end of yeah. the day. I think deep down, I always go with my gut, mm -hmm. you know, and I really feel like I, I typically can get a feel, but in saying that, you know, we've had brands that haven't worked out and it's like you jump in a relationship that isn't what you thought it was. And then you either have to like, you know, break the contract, write it out, whatnot. But a lot of times those brands te teach you important lessons. And I think that like, genuinely it's just like going with your gut and again going after brands that you really want to align yourself with not just always waiting for brands to come to you oh my god I just I feel like there's like mic drops soul-filled moments good like expertise <laughs> Mads you want to ask our favorite question of course I do 
Sam, if you were to brag about one thing in your life and you cannot be humble, what would you brag about? Ooh, that's a really good question. Hmm. I would say just in thinking about the fact that, you know, I dropped out of college because I was going through a really, really bad depression and I ended up going back to school and graduating. But I think just like the fact that, you know, I've turned some of my pain into a company that essentially helps and really like inspires other people is probably really kind of like my proudest moment and just something that I'm really, really proud of because I think that like looking back, I, I, my younger self would have never thought this is what my future would look like. And I think besides obviously having a great business and getting to work with like the most incredible fucking team every single day, I just think I was in such a bad, dark place and going through so much pain. And I think being able to take that pain and turn it into something that hopefully is helping other people and inspiring other people is probably just like my proudest moment today is like essentially building Mayfair and just having something that hopefully inspires like younger generations and people. So that would be it. Sam, Sam. Oh, it does. Sam, we have like oh, the it same inspires. story and it's tripping me out. Okay. I dropped out of college for mental health what? reasons. I started a service-based business in the PR space. I feel like you're my soul sister. What is happening? And like, I'm turning 29 this week. What? I'm like the exact same age as you. I literally am dying right now. Like everything you <laughs> should said. Should I leave I'm the like, room? This is, should I leave yeah, the room? Yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. Because Sam and I are now best friends. Oh my and that's gosh. That, okay? Wait, this is so trippy. Like, we need to like talk yeah, okay. further off the podcast. Yes, obviously. we do. I'm gonna yeah, I'll follow you on Instagram because <laughs> I only follow Mayfair. Okay. You are incredible. Please Thank tell everyone where they can find all of the stuff that you do. Okay, so you guys should all, like I said, not follow my personal account because it's pretty <laughs> shitty. Um, but you can follow the Mayfair group. Our handle is like at the Mayfair group. Definitely go. There's amazing content. And yeah, my personal Instagram is Sam Aberhart, but it's really boring, honestly, and I'm I'm not great with filters or Facetune, so probably the worst place to follow. But the Mayfair group is where you can find all the good shit and all the inspiring content. So definitely go check that out. Love it, and you can follow us at OKSIS Podcast. Thanks, sisters. You guys are the best. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.